So tonight, the topic is working towards spiritual maturity. And if you remember, Sunday we left off talking about spiritual and fleshly warfare and the, the battle, that, the daily battle that we encounter and go through. And, you know, our overall goal in this class is how do we get our our spirit aligned with, with God's spirit and make that spiritual connection stronger and better and have that flow out to all of those around us that we come in contact with. So that's our, our goal. And tonight, how do we develop that maturity? And I'm going to pick, pick up where we left off on Sunday morning in Ephesians 6. And looking at this idea of putting on the, the full armor of God. And this is where we, where we left off, beginning in verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if you remember, we talked a lot about the power that God has given us, the power that through His Spirit we're able to possess and to use. And one of the big reasons for that is this, this battle that is going on, this spiritual battle. And a lot of it, as it's talking about, in realms that, that we cannot see, these spiritual realms, the heavenly realms that these forces are, are battling. And, you know, how that interacts with the earthly realm in this dimension, you know, I, I cannot map it out, and I don't think any of us really can, but we know that this back-and-forth war does go on, and we talked about how Jesus has won the war for us, but this battle, since we're on a fallen earth, continues. And so as we are soldiers in this battle, how do we become more mature so we can continue to fight in this war? And, and Paul and other New Testament writers write a lot about this, about preparing Christians for this. So as he continues here in Ephesians, and most of us are familiar with, with this, it's, it's a very famous you know, passage that, that, that comes to mind about putting on our armor, our spiritual armor. So let's go ahead and, and read the rest here through chapter, excuse me, through verse 18. He says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, generally, how is, how is Paul saying that we prepare ourselves? He's got a lot of specific things in there, but what, what in general is something, the first thing that comes to mind? Make sure you have your armor on. Make sure you have your armor on. Be prepared. It's, it's a reminder that God, God has supplied us with everything that we need. <clears throat> Just like He's always provided what has been necessary. So He's not just leaving us out there to, to, to hang and hoping for the best. He, he gives us all of the resources. It's, just, it's a matter of us actually realizing how to use them and realizing the appropriateness of, of guarding yourself with those things. Mm-hmm. Very good. What other thoughts? Yes. It's not just one tool. He's given us multiple tools to use. Is one of what he's talking about there. Is that we can't just rely on our prayer life. It takes everything that God's given us to use. And we've got to use all of it for what it's designed for. Not just rely on one part of it. Yeah. All the pieces fit together. Definitely when they're used right. Any other thoughts on verse 10 says stage? <clears throat> yes, sir. Strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Yes. Just that um, the language of warfare is interesting because the Israelites had a lot of battles that they fought and God was always providing for them during those battles. But the idea of it's a reminder that we're engaged in a spiritual war and that it's more consequential than a physical war because the spiritual things are weightier than physical things. So the consequences of the war that we're engaged in are greater than the consequences of being in a physical war. Very good. Because of what Ian said that, yeah, the spiritual consequences are are heavier, and yet you contrast the armor, and you think about how physical armor is cumbersome and awkward, but spiritual armor is freeing. So we're fighting a you know, a more consequential battle, but with armor that frees us. Right. And, and it's armor that we have to wear all the time. It's not something you don't put it on and take it off like physical armor. We put it on and we keep it on. So I did find a, a you know, picture of the, the physical armor, just as Gloria was talking about. And, you know, Paul does such an amazing job in his in his writings about relating to what his audience was encountering the culture of the time, whether it was whatever sports, you know, he, he writes multiple times about running and about the, the crowns that they would receive in races. And you think about in Ephesus being part of the Roman Empire, how they would have encountered Roman soldiers probably on a daily basis. Now, they wouldn't always have been geared up for full battle, but I'm sure that they would have seen. So what a strong visual for, for them as he's writing this letter. And, you know, for us, you know, we, you know, we might think of uh, a medieval knight or something that 
might pop into our heads or any type of soldier from, from history. Um, but I, I thought, you know, what, what they would have been relating to an actual physical, you know, Gloria's talking about this is spiritual armor that we're putting on, but you get a physical picture, but then have the, the spiritual implications of each piece of weaponry or whatever they were, they were putting on. And it's, a, it's an imposing figure about how well, as we've talked about, how well we should be prepared as we encounter our, our spiritual, daily spiritual battles. But it's, a, and as we're going to talk about tonight, it's, it's a continual building up of that. That's what our lives are about. And that's why we, we do the, this, why we come together and we're trying to build each other up and glorify God at the same time so we can be prepared for battle. And um, one of the, the big things that he finishes a section about, with, excuse me, with, is, is he again talks about prayer. And he specifically is talking about praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. And then he specifically talks about praying for all of the Lord's people. So what comes to mind when you all hear about, you know, this is our class on flesh and the Spirit, about praying in the Spirit? I do not pray in the Spirit. You don't? I mean, how would you not? Oh, how would you not? I'm sorry. Yes. Wouldn't that be praying God's will? Yes, I think that's definitely part of it. Our battle is in the Spirit. Excuse me? Our battle is in the mm -hmm. Spirit. So we're, we're fighting in the Spirit, mm -hmm. and we're praying in the Spirit. Yes. I think it is. It's definitely so. Living in the Spirit, our battles in the Spirit, so we are, are praying in the Spirit. Again, emphasizing this connection that we are trying to develop, mature with, with God's Spirit. So he specifically bring, points this out as, as part of our armament, part of our battle, is, is praying Praying in the spirit. Well, if you think about it, you know, I've never been in a war room before, but you, you know, you've seen movies where you, know, you have these these generals and you have all these different commanders and they're meeting together, whether it's a tent or it's you know in the middle of where. But you see these people that are meeting and talking about the battle that they're getting ready to fight. And they're talking about strategy and thinking of ways to to overcome and defeat. And that's the exact same thing, is that our war room is filled with God and His Spirit. And that's who, that's who we're conversing with. That's who we're strategizing with to defeat that enemy. And it's the same concept, except instead of talking over a battle map, it's done through prayer. Yeah, um, kind of like Jay said, and some other people have emphasized, it's like uh, verse 10 really sets the whole ground, and you have two two aspects here to, um, you know, 
put on the strength of the Lord or be strong in the, in the might of God and then put on the armor. Um, if you don't do the first one, then you're going to look as silly as David did when they're just trying to put all that armor on. Um, the idea is through prayer is how we do this, is we draw near to God, in turn he draws near to us, and we're remembering that none of the strength we are using is our own strength. It's from an infinite supply, but that supply ultimately is not our own. And the idea of being able to have access to the supply comes out of humility, and being able to constantly use all types of prayer to say to God, I know I can do this, but I know I can't do it alone. And that goes on to say that you can do that not only on your behalf, but on everyone's behalf. And when all the saints do that for each other, that's truly something special that can't be accomplished any other way. Any other thoughts on this passage in Ephesians before we move on? I think we can spend a lot of time talking about the individual parts of the armor but just to summarize in my mind anyway as that warrior is protected all the way around top to bottom we are in the spiritual battle, battle we're protected God is making sure of that yes we had to put it on it's a it's a mindset that we put ourselves into spiritually. But we are protected. Yes. Very good. All right, so let's look at First uh, Peter 2. Your next passage we'll look at. <clears throat> So here Peter says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are being built into a spiritual house to be a, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what is, what is Peter saying our, our spiritual appetite is supposed to be? What is it supposed to be like? So he's using, you know, back to infancy, what the infants crave, the craving their mother's milk. So as he puts it, we're supposed to be craving the spiritual, pure spiritual milk, this, this craving. And in turn, just as a baby grows, so that we may grow up, we grow up in our, our salvation. So again, this, this powerful idea of what 
in our, our spiritual lives what we are supposed to be desiring, supposed to be craving. And if we're doing that, what do we in turn put off? What do we turn away from? Well, that's what you do when you're baptized. You know, you, you grow in Christ and you put off all the old stuff that you had before and put on Christ. Exactly. You do the same thing here. Exactly. And he, here he specifically talks about malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. But again, it mirrors similar language that, that Paul has written about that we've studied about putting off the old self, putting on the new, this spiritual rebirth, and this, this constant craving. So somebody who's constantly craving this spiritual nourishment is going to continue to mature and continue to grow and continue to produce, as we looked in the past, Fruit, fruit of the Spirit that we've, we've talked about. And he continues this, his transition is really interesting, but he then talks about us as spiritual stones, living stones. Um, and what was fascinating is the, you know, the equality that he gives us to Jesus, to the living stone. And saying that we are chosen, that we are precious, and we're being used as these spiritual stones to build a spiritual house. And through that, we become we're becoming a royal and holy priesthood. Um, and again, this imagery of the priestly duties and the temple and offering spiritual sacrifices. So what, what does that conjure up when you, you hear of us offering spiritual sacrifices? What do you think he's trying to get across there? I think the stones are representing the foundation. Like you're building a house. Yeah, and he, he does talk about that later about Jesus being the cornerstone that yeah. the house is built on for that, that firm foundation. So the house is, is, is built at the temple, we're the priesthood, and we're offering spiritual sacrifices. So as, as Christians maturing, what, what do those spiritual sacrifices look like, or should look like? Lives of service. Service, definitely. One of the requirements is, well, it says right here, rejected by humans, but chosen by God. One of the sacrifices that we're not going to be accepted by the people of this world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're thinking of our class, the whole of the class, looking at flesh and spirit. So this battle, this war that we're going on, it's a continual war that we're putting away things of the flesh. Putting on, war, yeah, worldly, worldly lust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Putting on things of the spirit, and so this, you know, the spiritual house continues to be built, maintained, and and it continues to glorify God because these sacrifices are acceptable to Him 
through, through his son. Any other thoughts on this passage here? Yes. Um, in verse 2, my translation reads, um, Desire the pure milk of the, wor world, the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation. Okay. And I think that wording, um, I like that a lot because, mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes when we're first saved, we don't look very saved. Right. <laughs> like we're not acting, we haven't grown into it yet. Mm -hmm. So that idea of growing up into your salvation, I think is really, that's kind of a picture that we can see. So we think of people growing to, you sure. know, their ears or yeah, their yeah, nose yeah. or whatever. Um, I like that. And I, I think that also goes along with being a living stone. Because if we are just a stone, there's no growth. Stones right. don't grow. Um, but a living stone grows and matures. Yeah, I mean, I immediately thought of Romans 12 where it says, you know, present yourself as a living sacrifice. And it goes on and talks about, you know, um, hate what's evil, cling to what's good, bless those who persecute you, all these ways of living. And here in 1 Peter 2, right afterwards, and then also back in Ephesians 6, right before, it's talking about husbands and wives, masters and servants, um, parents and children, all these relationships. So I think as we're having, sometimes we think the armor of God and then we're going to like charge out into the world and that's certainly, there's a place for that, but it's, it's this internal growth really where in my relationships I'm, I'm living in the spirit and, and I'm being a different kind of person. Right. And it, it shows itself in all those relationships and produces fruit. I completely agree. And then, you know, Romans 12 too, it continues to talk about the the gifts that each one of us has received and so how are we using those and furthering the kingdom and you know it, it, it's a beautiful thing because it all works together and yes we're not always charging out but whatever situation we find ourselves in whatever relationships in whatever god has put in in, in our way a lot of the times how are we handling that and that is how we show this spiritual relationship, this maturity, as it continues to play. Yes. Um, back in verse one, there, if we're ridding ourselves of the hypocrisy and the malice and the deceit, there's there's growth that's going to be involved. If you're active and spiritually getting rid of all that. Mm -hmm. And replacing that with love and understanding and patience. Those are all active in the relationships, too. With our Lord and one another. Yes. Again, great examples of those spiritual sacrifices that will be building us up. Yes, Corey? Well, you know, you asked as we mature, what will our spiritual sacrifices mm -hmm. look like? And I think the simple answer is that they're going to look more like Jesus himself. Yeah. Very, good. Very good. I think how those look also, Randy, that she was reminding us of there in, in verse 1, mm -hmm. think how those look as making our bodies a living sacrifice our interaction with others, the um, resigning to being patient with others, uh, 
being kind, being uh, loving, instead of maybe taking advantage of somebody else, deceiving them. All those seem to me to be the living sacrifice that we are we're making. Before we were involved in all these things that make us <laughs> right. at one with the world. Right. But now we're we're changing our life and changing our mind first and in our life and so that interaction is drastically yeah. different. Right. And he later in this next verse verses here he talks about that the drastic difference that we should be that his his initial audience and us also should be here you go down to verses 11 and 12 he says dear friends i urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds glorify god on the day he visits us so, you know, here's Peter using the war language that we've been talking about, this warfare. And he is saying, you, as this war is going on, you separate yourself from, from the other side. And, again, in first, first century, you know, Roman culture, we're talking about emperor worship and a lot of things that thankfully we do not have to deal with but how they would have made themselves very different from those around them and as we can too as we're we take the same lesson from from instruction from peter here too that living in this world we're bombarded and there is a war against our souls but we act as exiles, foreigners, and remove ourselves from that. And by doing that, we'll bring glory to God, even though those against us will be accusing us. In the end, they will glorify God because, because of that separation. Any, any thoughts on this one, too? I know we've covered. Let me share a story I heard a few years ago. This man lived in Muslim country, and he watched his mother be brutally beaten, killed by these two Muslim characters. And a few years later, he's a grown man. He meets them on the street recognizes them immediately and he just walks right up to them doesn't shy away just walks right up to them and they have already grasped hold of their machetes as though they needed to defend themselves and he says I know who you are I love you I forgive you and walked off to me, that's the living sacrifice that we're talking about here. There's, there's a change of mind, and thus a change of perspective on life, what we should fear and not fear, 
He had no fear for what they might do to him, although they were prepared to do that. And that's, you know, that's really faith in God. And that's the living uh, stones that we're supposed to be. So, all right, we're going to look at another passage. This one's from 2 Peter, chapter 1. And here Peter says, through these, and what he's talking about here is, is the divine power that that God has given us. He says, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, as he's saying at the beginning of this section, you know, we have promises. These promises allow us to participate in God's divine nature. And this is all because... Again, as he puts it, the, we have escaped the corruption of the world. So again, part of this separation, if you're looking at it from you know, warfare, escaping, and this corruption is caused, caused by evil. And, you know, and we do this by fighting, by battling, by using the armor that Paul talked about in Ephesians. And what this allows us to do is to take hold of, this, of these promises that he's given us. And the promises that we talked about, the spiritual promises, the divine nature. Again, this connection, spiritual connection with God. And what this results in is very similar language that, that Paul has written about, that we've looked at. Going back to Galatians and other some of his other lessons, I mean letters, Colossians, talking about you know the, the fruit of the spirit as he puts it in Galatians, but but Peter talks about these attributes that those in this spiritual warfare are putting on, and as are going to as you continue to add them, you obviously are going to become more spiritually mature, and what each leads to this is progression of goodness and knowledge self-control perseverance godliness mutual affection and love so very similar 
to, as Paul wrote about, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And again, these are the things that are showing all of our relationships, the world around us, that we are becoming more spiritually mature, and it's an outflowing to, to the world around us. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on this passage out of 2 Peter, what he's saying here? I know we've touched on a lot of these points before. Anything that sticks out to you all? I think he showed us that as long as we do his will, he'll be with us. Mm-hmm. Time and time again in the Old Testament, you know, all the leaders that he chose told them, you know, if you do my will, I will be with you. If you don't, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bridget? Seems that verse 1 is the foundation of these verses that you have just talked about. Okay. He's commending them because they've obtained a faith of equal standing with Peter's and the other apostles. You know, it takes faith to make a change in your life, a change in your <clears throat> mindset, to avoid physical confrontation. Mm-hmm. It takes faith in God to uh, not be afraid of what might happen to me, what might happen to my body. You know what? He's going to take care of me. I just need to focus on the spiritual battle, the mental preparedness. So I think the faith there is the the foundation of what he's trying to get across to us. Yes, I I know there's obedience, but I don't obey unless I have faith. I think this makes a lot, it seems a lot more tangible, at least to me, because you know, if you think back to Ephesians 6, and he's talking about you know, this battle that we're fighting is, is not, it's not physical. You know, it's not against one person or one group. It's, it's against something that is the driving force behind those people. Sometimes it seems like it's, it's not tangible. You're like, well, what are we fighting then? Even though we know... We know what we're fighting, but how do we fight? This right here tells us. Right. You know, this is this is how it's telling us to prepare to for that spiritual maturity, to prepare for being that better person, for being that living stone that is going to be part of that foundation. This this is it. This is what's tangible. And I, I completely agree with that. that even though we cannot see the spiritual realm. What what is in our control, and, and how we use these things in our everyday situations that we've we've talked about, our everyday relationships. Those two are are connected. We can't see it, but they definitely are connected. And that's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians. And we are with what we've been given. It's not on our own, as we've talked about, but what we've been given. We have our battle here. And it might look as, sh- as simple as showing self-control in a tough situation when others might unleash their fury on someone or 
you know, whatever that you can, you, you, we can all think of those situations, but those were those daily battles are, are one. I don't want to refute what you just said if okay. you can't see it. At the same time. You can and you can't, yes. <laughs> I bet. At the same time, we do see the unseen yeah. by faith. Yes. So we see the, the battle that we're up against, that it's, it's a mental battle. It's not a physical battle. So we see that by faith. Yes. Um, as I look at this list and think of other lists in scripture, like the fruit of the spirit and this list, um, I'm just reminded how much work I have cut out for myself if I'm just thinking of me, and that takes that doesn't even take into account, I don't need to be fighting other people mm-hmm. or going to battle. Like I have enough work if I just focus on myself. And so um, I think one of Satan's greatest tools is to distract us from that and to breed um, <coughs> fighting amongst each other mm-hmm. and among, between us and the and the world, whether it be a culture war or some other form of that. But if we were all doing this, the world would be changed without mm-hmm. us trying to fight Amen. the world. Very true. Very true. We've got a, a couple of minutes here. I do want to finish with a short passage from 2 Corinthians 3. <clears throat> This is verses 17 and 18. And here Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, there's a ton packed in here, what Paul is trying to get across. But again, this this transformation that we've been talking about past couple of months, that we are continually going going through spiritual maturity. But what it what it shows, what it shows to each other, as he puts it, is as we're doing that, we've take on his image, this image of ever-increasing glory. And if you remember, you know, this section, he's talking about how Moses had to, since he saw the back of God, had to wear a veil because his face was shining and the hardness of the hearts of the Israelites could not take that. So he's, he's using this example, using and talking about us with unveiled faces because we are emitting that glory because we have been given the spirit of the Lord and that is upon us and as we are continuing to let that spirit transform us and as we mature and do the things that we've looked at tonight in the past couple of classes from from Peter and from and from Paul that we continue to radiate to each other. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We see each other's faith. We see the glory of God through each other's faith. faith. Um, and, you know, the, the way, you know, Paul puts that is that 
you know, there's this huge division in before Jesus, but now we're unveiled, and, and God's glory through His Spirit is upon us, upon us all. And that, that's a beautiful thing. As Jamie said, if we, if we do the things that this transformation should be causing us to do, we, we will change the world daily. So let's go out there and, and, and do that. Amen. So, thank you all. Thank you.